Hey there, We Can't Wrestle Podcast listeners. If you haven't noticed, we have switched our server to Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So go ahead, download the free Anchor app, or go to anchor.fm to get started. Highly recommended by me and everybody else here at the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Hello, wrestling fans, and welcome to this week's edition of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. The brothers Max and Nate and Aaron are here with you right now, and on this week's show, we are going to review what we have suffered this week. Suffered a terrible, terrible fate. We are going to review one of the worst hunk of shit pay-per-views of all time. It's 1990. It's not one of the worst. It's the worst. It's the worst. It's worse than Blackjack Brawl from the UWF. Yes. It is uh, the worst pay-per-view of all time. It's 1999's Heroes of Wrestling pay-per-view. So we will be reviewing that on today's show. And... Um, also, digging into more of the 1992 Pro Wrestling Illustrated Top 500 uh, this week. And, um, Aaron, before we get started, is there anything that you want to say to the listeners? Hey. Howdy. I'm going to check and see how many listeners we have right now. Real quick, just an update. See where we're at. Aaron always says we have like seven listeners, but consistent ones well we've 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 uh we've gone above 1000 1078 all right so thank you to all of you for listening to the show we appreciate your support and uh just a reminder if you want to uh join our facebook group you can it's the we can't wrestle facebook group of course uh on facebook look us up and uh, you can uh, elect to join, and one of the um, admins can approve you on that. And uh, other than that, you know, let's let's get going. Let's get going with the um, the show here. Aaron has the 1992 edition of the Pro Wrestling Illustrated Top 500 in his possession, and uh, we went yes. through some last week. And we're going to dig into it a little more this week as well. We have both picked four random numbers, and we're going to rattle those off and see what lucky wrestlers get featured on this week's edition of the show. Um, Lucky bastards. Lucky bastards. Especially you, Don Montoya. (laughs) Remember that fat fuck? Anyway, um, I think he might be dead. I don't know. So the first number I picked... It's 496. 496. Yes. All right. Let me peel back this onion here, and I will find it. And I think you sent, when you sent me your numbers, when you sent me your numbers, you picked number 79. I think we did 79 last week. I think I picked picked 79. If we did, I'll pick another one. But what did you say, 296? 496. 496? Yes. Um, this guy's name is Duke Snyder. <laughs> I know that guy. He worked for me once. I have no idea who he is. He's 5'7". He was 230 pounds. Um, he's got two years in the business. And in 1991, he was ranked 495. So Whoa. his career dipped his, a little bit. His career dipped a little bit in 1992. Yes. Um, he was also billed as Mad Dog Duke. And Pitbull Duke. <laughs> Sounds a lot more fearsome than he is. Mad Dog Duke. And it when he he competes mainly in New York and his description is an aging ball of hair. <laughs> I don't even know what that fucking means. Usually when um when he wrestled, most people went take to take a mad dog duke. That was Yes. All right, so my next number, we're going to go a little high on this one. Number 32. 32. Yes. And while you're looking that up, I have to share um, uh, just a little bit before we 
started recording, I saw a meme, and I think you think it was funny. And I think our listeners would think it's funny, too. It, it said, uh, <laughs> me opening my electric bill. Don't be high. Don't be high. Don't be high. And then it said, my electric bill. And it showed a picture of Willie Nelson. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Number 32. This man in 1992 stood six foot. He weighed 260 or 226 pounds. He had five years in the business. And the year before, he was ranked 45, so he's 91. Nope. His 92 was better than his 91, and nope. it was Flying Brian Pillman. Brian Pillman, one of the greats of all time. Flying, Bill, Flying Brian has flown into stardom. Two time former WCW light heavyweight champ incredible aerial ability surprising strength still getting better and he's immensely popular you know Brian Pillman's one of the great tragedies of wrestling in my opinion yes um, you know because had he not had that accident and not had to go on all those pain pills and not had to uh, kind of ground his his wrestling game I think I think we would be talking about Pillman in the same vein that we talk about, you know, the other guys, the other big guys from the Attitude Era, like Foley and and Austin and The Rock, and well, he would have been there, you know. Well, the only the only thing I can say about it is, it, it, I enjoy both Brian Pillmans. Mm-hmm. Okay, because there really is two Brian Pillmans. Yeah. Just yeah, it's much like it, much it, like there's. If it wouldn't have been for the accident, and him being forced to change his style, would he have gotten the loose cannon? Well, you know what I mean. I don't know what. Maybe not, but because the because the, uh, the loose cannon character wouldn't have worked. Wrestling the style of flying Brian Pill, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I also think he could have been still been an effective heel, because I know he would have been an effective heel. I'm just saying I don't think he would have got that Brian Pillman. Yeah, you're probably right. Because like, he would have still been able to, because because he was a heel when he was in the Hollywood Blondes. And yeah, shit like that. and he was great and. But, Actually, one of my favorite heel turns is when he turns on Brad Armstrong. Yeah. Like that whole that whole little story, and he did so good with that. I I don't know. I still th- I still think that potential being potential and talent being talent, he still would have been one of the top stars of the Attitude Era. Had he um, had he not gone down that that road. Yeah. All right, next. I just think it would have been a different type of thing. Probably. You're probably right, because like you said, the loose cannon gimmick came, almost came from trying to be relevant, trying to stay relevant because he couldn't compete at the time, and then working that into his wrestling gimmick once he could get back in the ring. Yeah. How about number 284? 280, you're like all over the fucking radar, man. 284. (laughs) Yes. 284. 284 is Olympic strongman Ken Patera. Damn. I didn't even know Ken Patera was still wrestling in 1992. Apparently was. And he was six foot one, 256 pounds. He was 19 years into his career. And the year before, he, is, he was ranked 98. Jesus. Um, the former U.S. Olympic weightlifter seems to be nearing the end of his career. Makes a few appearances in his day. One of the very best, a former IC and AWA World Tag Team Champion. Olympic strongman Ken Patera. Probably bumping around the independent scene in 92. Yes. Having matches with Greg Valentine. <laughs> yes. Over who's the greatest IC champion of all time? <laughs> and they were at they P were probably, at, at PWC in North Hoboken, New Jersey. They were probably pretty bad. <laughs> Valentine would come around when he wasn't doing like those one-offs with the WWF or WCW. Yeah. 
Actually, actually, 92. Actually, at 92, I think Valentine was the U.S. Tag Champs with Terry Taylor in WCW. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> and last but not least, let's do 379. 379 is Tony Capone. Tony Capone. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Did his mom come up with his wrestling name? Apparently. It rhymes, Tony. You should make your last name Capone. This burly godfather is a former NAWA champion. Brawler captured this brawler captured the first Connecticut-based IWF title in May 1991. Claims to have friends in low places. <laughs> Fuck this guy. He sounds like sounds like one of those guys that would be uh Wrestling snooker in those north northeast independent shows. Yeah, just fuck him. When, when, me- when the when the when the metal maniac can't make it, snooker's gonna yeah. face Tony Capone. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. You picked seventy nine, so I'll let you pick my last number. All right. How about uh, ninety six? Ninety six. So we'll yeah. start with that one. Okay. 96. Go to that. Number 96 is Primetime Brian Lee. The fake Undertaker. The the underfaker. He was 6'2", 245 pounds. He'd been in the business three years. And last year, in 1991, he was not listed. He is the former partner of Robert Fuller is among the year's most improved stars, the current Smoky Mountain champion. Once he saw through Robert Fuller's ruse, he became very scientific, and he's a true credit to the sport. In other words, he turned babyface. Yes. He became very scientific. Yes. I, I was never a big fan of Brian Lee. The guy never did. That guy never did anything for me. He was what he was. Yeah, like Smoky Mountain, eh. ECW, eh. WWE. Eh. <laughs> I just never, never cared for the dude. I don't know. I, I don't hate him. Like he's not one of those guys. That I'm like, God, fucking Brian. <laughs> but I just no. Brian Lee's like, to me, he's one of those guys that's just you know the the wrestling world could have lived or lived without him, and he's indifferent. I'm indifferent to him. I never was a big fan. I didn't think he. I, I, I always thought his look, he looked like he was tall, but he just, I don't know, he looked kind of dumpy, and he didn't have a lick of fucking charisma. I just, I didn't like the guy. But apparently Jim Cornette saw something in him. Yeah. And then Jim Cornette's a hell of a better uh, judge of wrestling talent than I am, so what have you, but I'm never a fan of primetime Brian Lee. I said my piece. Yeah. <laughs> um... The next person on my list came in at three. I picked three forty-five, and it is a gentleman named David Power. David Power. Is he? He's probably part of a tag team. He is. Power Twins. Yeah. <laughs> that was a fucking guess. I swear to God. You haven't listened to John Arezzi's no. wrestling spotlight. Oh my God, this guy's amazing. <laughs> um. I'll read his biography here. Hard to tell. David and his twin Larry apart. David is actually has actually spent more time as a solo wrestler than Larry has. David displays a bit more wrestling acumen. And um, I've been listening to a podcast with John Arezzi. Mm-hmm. He goes back and plays clips of his podcast wrestling spotlight. And this David Power guy is amazing. <laughs> people will call and like they'll ask him a question and they'll be like why don't you shut up you stupid moron (laughs) and like he's like an amazing heel and he just heals (laughs) everybody and it's all like live you know like it's not like yeah it was um, a it was a radio show yeah like people would call in and 
that asks him a question, and he'd be like, oh, let me tell you why you're such an idiot. <laughs> Stupid moron. And, like, they'd have him, like, read commercials, and he'd be like, for all you morons out there, just in case you don't know the number, I'll read it again. Like, he's just, like, insulting <laughs> not the product that they're trying to sell, but the people that would be buying it. <laughs> yeah. You should check it out. This David Power guy, I'm, I'm a fan. Well, there, there you go. I didn't even know that was going to be him. That's great. <laughs> All right. Next on my list is number 87. Mm-hmm. So scroll a little bit. <clears throat> I used to love when this thing would come out. Every Me year. too. It was the best. It was one of the best times of the year as a young wrestling fan. The PWI 500. And I'd always be interested to look at the, you know, like 500 through 400 just to. Yeah. But I wouldn't. I, I even had a system for how I read it. Like, I would not look at the front of the countdown. I would start at 500, and I would work my way through and, and, and earn every one of those spots. Yeah, you can't just start at the front. <laughs> Boring. Um, number 87 is the Iceman King Parsons. Another guy I was never a big fan of. I don't know a lot about him. Well, it, if I mean, you, I know him. You know yeah, what I mean. Like, yeah, watching world class. Yeah. Um. Well, yeah, I was this no- time he, Well, at this time he was still going strong though, and he was teaming with Action Jackson. Hmm. And they were the ba- they were the Blackbirds and the they were the Blackbirds from the Big D. <laughs> okay. And he shuttles between rule breaking and scientific working. Scientific. And he delivers memorable interviews. That's something that's missing. That's something that when Kayfabe died, that's a fun thing that, that happened. That with the like the after mags. Like when you were a babyface, you were a scientific wrestler. But when you turned bad guy, you just became a cheating motherfucker that didn't do any <laughs> wrestling holds or you know, you're just a low down dirty son of a bitch. You don't know no. You you forgot all your wrestling holds. You're not a scientific wrestler. You're a rule breaker. That stuff doesn't exist anymore. Those that didn't live in the kayfabe era have no idea what you're fucking missing. <laughs> no idea. I know. I watch. I I remember like videos where he would like, um, like he was like delivering blocks of ice, and then he'd hit his butt into it or whatever. Yeah, and he was um trying to think here he came from the to me to me he came from the uh oh what's that uh he came from the thunderbolt patterson school of promos not the ernie ladd school of promos if that makes sense yeah he he did the um i don't know just the very the very stereotypical Shacking and jiving. Yeah, the, that kind of a thing. Not 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 Ernie Ladd, who presented himself not as a cartoon, but as a man. You know what I mean? Not yeah. as not as a characteristic of what an African American man is, but as Ernie Ladd, a man. Whereas, yeah, the Thunderbolt and uh, and Iceman did the. Uh, and you know, sometimes I mean, it's your territory. I, I understand. I guess. You know that was the, that guy wrestled in mainly southern territories and and well you know Ernie Ladd wrestled in New York and and St. Louis and places where he didn't have to act that way for the the audience to react to him I guess is what I'm saying but I never thought Parsons was very good as a wrestler um, I'm just not a fan <laughs> this this part of the 500 that you're picking today is just a bunch of guys I'm like ah eh, not a fan. Well, maybe this guy you're a fan of because he came in at number 55. All right. And his name is Repo Man. Oh, yeah, definitely a fan of Repo Man. Talented former demolition member is burying himself with this new image. Ties his foes up with a tow rope after his bouts. A great tag team wrestler who now seems lost on his own. That's like one of the most uh, 
they weren't a fan of the Repo Man. Well, no, and that that description of the Repo Man is very out of character for Pro Wrestling Illustrated too. Like they broke kayfabe. They were like former demolition guy burying himself. Yeah, like they, they were happy. About they used some they used some dirt sheet language there. <laughs> but I don't care what they say. I liked the Repo Man gimmick. Yep. And you know what? He was over, and he was funny. And he had that stupid one-week feud with Randy Savage in 93 where he stole his hat. <laughs> this is getting serious, brother. People see my balls, but... Uh-huh. <laughs> then he repossessed uh, Rob Bartlett's car. And he had some good matches. Like, he had some decent, uh, like, matches on primetime with... Well, I mean, it's it's Barry Darso, but I'm saying, like, you know, he had good matches with Tito Santana and... And hell, Virgil. I mean, Repo Man, Repo Man was like for about probably about I don't know in ninety two. Nope, ever had a decent match? In ninety in ninety two, it was funny because the Repo Man was like a staple of prime time wrestling. Like he was on every week. Repo Man was wrestling somebody somewhere. But all right, well, I, Pete, I Pete. saw it was like a one off thing, and they teamed once. And I thought it should have been a thing. I, I think it was Tuesday in Texas. Repo Man and Ted DiBiase? Yeah. Yeah. Like, Repo Man should have been with Money, Inc. <laughs> he shouldn't have been, like, like a, like a, an official member or whatever. Mm-hmm. But he would have worked as, like, a toady or whatever. Yeah. DiBiase has a business deal go bad. Repo Man repossesses somebody's yacht or something. Yeah. IRS is like, you, you, owe, you owe back taxes and you can't pay it, so we're going to take your car. And who's going to get it for us? The Repo, Repo Man. <laughs> Repo Man. <laughs> I like Repo Man. Me too. Probably the only uh, the only time I didn't like... I, I wasn't a big fan of Blacktop Bully. That was a gimmick that I didn't really care for Darso in. But I even actually kind of dug Darso's golfer gimmick. Yeah. Like. I didn't I, mind Blacktop Bully. Yeah, no, I wasn't a big fan of that. Not, and again, I didn't I didn't hate it, but not a big fan of the gimmick. I don't know. Just, yeah. But anyway. So there's that, right? Our dive into the PWI Top 500 from 1992. I think I'm going to. Try and locate some of my old 500s, and we'll we'll go through some other years too as time goes on. But we're we're still in '92 right now. Yes. And that being said, I guess we'll take a break, and when we come back, it's the train wreck that is the Heroes of Wrestling pay per view from 1999. Get ready for this one, listeners, because it is hot garbage. And we'll be, we'll be right back with more of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. All right, wrestling fans, welcome back to the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Nate, Aaron, Nate, and Aaron here with you. I was going to say Nate, Aaron, and Kyle, but Kyle's absent. Didn't even didn't even call in sick. He just absent. But uh, Nate and Aaron here with you. Show that's four points. (laughs) Nate and Aaron here with you on this week's edition of the show. Just want to remind everybody one more time, I'm doing this one more week for both podcasts. We are available now on Spotify, so if you don't want to have to download the show, if you just want to listen to streaming on Spotify, you can indeed do that. Other than that, any podcast app that you use, you can listen to the show. Uh, We are available on all of them. And um, also want to remind you to listen to the other podcast in my podcast uh, family, the Motley Soup Podcast. Uh, pop culture f- podcast. We just talk about whatever. Myself and my beautiful wife, Kendall, talking about whatever on the Motley Soup podcast. So look that one up too. Also available on Spotify and in every podcast Which app. Which I've been invited to be on. St- you've yet to be on one of those shows. 
We got to make that happen sometime. Your ratings would go up. <laughs> that being said, speaking of ratings, let's talk about a dumpster fire. Let's talk about the heroes of wrestling pay-per-view, which took place on October 10th, 1999. And it involved these people. Samu, the Samoan Savage, Marty Jannetty, Greg Valentine, Two Cold Scorpio, Luke and Butch, The Iron Sheik, Tully Blanchard, Stan Lane, Bob Orton Jr., The One Man Gang, Abdul the Butcher, Jake Roberts, George Steele, Sherry Martell, Yoko Zuna, King Kong Bundy, Jim the Anvil Neidhart, Captain Lou Albano, Jimmy Snuka, Nikolai Volkov, and Tommy Rogers. You would think it would be halfway decent. Nine of the 23 of these people are dead. <clears throat> it took place in a casino in, of all places, Mississippi. <laughs> casino magic is what it was called. In doing my research for the show, I found out that uh, originally the play-by-play uh, -play man for this show was supposed to be Gordon Soley. Yes, but he gave himself when his his, his he gave his, himself throat cancer, so he didn't have his, to be involved. I was about to say, apparently, what happened was he uh, his health deteriorated to the point where he could not participate. So my first note on this pay per view is this pay per view is so bad it killed Gordon Soley. <laughs> I put that he gave himself throat cancer. <laughs> he smoked so sixteen packs of cigarettes one day to make sure. So we, uh, it wasn't in the research, but I'm assuming that everybody either got paid in uh, coochie or blow <laughs> to be on the show. And <laughs> they also thought that this was going to be so successful that they were going to do four of these a year. Yeah. Yeah, this was going to be a series. Yes. Oh, thank so God! Guy, thank God that didn't happen. <laughs> this guy apparently was like, "I got enough coochie and blow <laughs> that we can get four of these done in a year." His name was Bill Stone. Bill Stone. Well, his coochie and blow ran out because nobody came back. <laughs> and um, that or Roberts took all his blow. Yeah. And um. I do have a Q&A out of this, like a question, and see what your answer is. Mm. And the question is, what do George the Animal Steel and Ric Flair have in common besides being wrestlers? They both apparently, according to Storyline, fucked Sherry Martell. And Miss Elizabeth. <laughs> Big Pimp and George Steele. So at the beginning of the show, at the beginning of the show, one of the things I noticed was, uh, what's that announcer's name? Ro Rosenstein or something? Rob Rosenstein or Rosenbloom? Yeah. He says, I'm joined. He nothing about wrestling. He says, I'm joined by the dirty guy, Dutch Mantel. <laughs> <sighs> the dirty guy, Dutch Mantel. What about the, the pull apart between King Kong Bundy and Yokozuna? <laughs> Oof. <laughs> no, it's not Yokozuna. It's the former Yokozuna. And that's what I was going to say. Like, they say, they say, formerly Yokozuna. <laughs> Luke and Butch, formerly the Bushman. <laughs> yeah, like, why don't if you, you just... <laughs> just say formerly in front of it? You're still calling them that. <laughs> The former Yokozuna. Yeah, like, Eric Bischoff wasn't like, we, like, coming to the ring is the man formerly known as the Big Boss Man. <laughs> That's not how it works. Ah, <laughs> <coughs> oh, shit. Now, the best part of this pay-per-view is the first, when the for, before the first match starts, that ring announcer. Yes! Let me say what he says. He says, 
I'm, the fucking I'm, ring announcer. Was, he said someone's going to get at <laughs> Somebody's going to get their ass whooped. <laughs> he said, I said, the fucking announcer's tagline was, someone's going to get their ass whooped up in here tonight. That's now the best part of the, that, that actually. That, that actually popped me. That was the best part of the show. He was like, and so, ladies and gentlemen, somebody's got to get their ass whipped tonight. <laughs> he didn't say whooped tonight. The announcer's tagline was, someone's going to get their ass whooped up in here tonight. <laughs> he said, up in here tonight. <laughs> that shit popped me. That was amazing. Yes, I, I absolutely agree. I wrote that down. I, I, I actually wrote ass whoop tonight. <laughs> yeah, that was good. <laughs> what was bad was their half-assed attempt to like pay homage to Gorilla Monsoon. Mm-hmm. Did you see that too? I don't think so. Yeah, they played like that's why that's how quick it was. It was like a five-second shitty picture of Gorilla Monsoon. Now, I don't even remember seeing that. Yeah, and it just was like, respects, or whatever. <laughs> respects. <laughs> A horrible picture of Gorilla Monsoon. Oh, Lord. So the opening match was not terrible. Hmm. It was the SST against Marty Jannetty and Tommy Rogers. And it wasn't a terrible match. The commentary... Huh? It wasn't terrible, but some pickle sucker was out there like cutting a promo. Like, who was that guy? <laughs> pickle sucker. Like, he'd, he'd cut like a shitty promo trying to be like a half-ass Jim Cornette, Paul Heyman, or whatever. <laughs> Fuck that guy. It wasn't even like, it was like the... It was like the bargain bin Samoans. <laughs> It was Samoan Savage Samu, and then like they didn't even have they didn't even have Asa at ringside. It was Sika. <laughs> You're right. It's the bargain basement Samoans. And they came out to that music that didn't even fit like Samoans. <laughs> like it would have been bet like it would have been better if they came out to no music. Yeah. But Samu did hit a pretty kick-ass TKO. On Tommy Rod, uh, uh, Marty Jannetty. Yes, and like I said, I didn't think the match was terrible. It was passable. I gave it half a star. It was alright. I gave it a yep and a half. So now we see... Um, what I wrote down was Sherry... Sensational Sherry and George Steele having sex? Because that's the next segment. Um, actually... They, they, as, I wrote as, that as, George Steele is with Sherry Martell, and George the Animal Steele is dressed as a Goomba. <laughs> like an extra from The Sopranos. <laughs> like hey! Not a, like, not a character that matters, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, he had on, like, the black sunglasses and, like, a fucking sweater deal. Or, yeah. He, he, he looked like a, like a discount mobster. And then as him and Sherry leave the thing and go into a room, her clothes just like, <laughs> what the fuck? Did you notice that? Yeah, but she was blowing him to get to Greg Valentine. <laughs> so that's the next match is George the Animal Steel and Greg Valentine. And I don't know if anybody's ever blown anybody to get to Greg Valentine. But in the Heroes of Wrestling world, Sherry Martell did. This match is terrible, by the way. Oh, it's a dud. These two guys showed up to get that check. <laughs> it was just terrible. But Sherry <clears throat> heel turns on George the Animal Steel. And uh, Valentine goes over in this match. According to Wikipedia, 6 minutes and 37 seconds. And it, it felt, felt it felt yeah, it felt like an hour, but it... and then at the end of the match, George Steele pulls a Bret Hart, and starts <laughs> destroying the set, and then Greg Valentine comes back for nope, like they beat him up, okay, 
and then Steel like like smacks the commentating table around, throws some chairs and everything. And then Greg Valentine, he comes back for no fucking reason. <laughs> like, he's got the girl. He's won the match. They leave. And then he comes back out and gets hit once, and then he leaves again. This is a fucking dumpster fire. They're, they're, uh, they were planning for that next show. You know, you gotta, you gotta come back. This is gonna be a big angle for the Heroes of Wrestling. It's gonna be a huge promotion. Nice. So next we get a promo from this Julio Fantastico dude. Uh, and, is, is there any story that I'm missing on Julio Fantastico? Was he like, was he an ECW guy at some point that I just forgot about, or? I mean, was there like a 90s story about this guy that I forgot about because they try to act like he's a big deal, so... I have no idea. Okay. But it took me a minute, and I realized who the interviewer was. It's that dude that hosted um, um, USWA. Yeah, when they merged that and uh, World Class. Yes. Michael St. John. Michael St. John or Michael... McDonald or whatever the fuck his name is. <laughs> um, it took me a minute, but I was like, that's that guy. He, um, Julio Fantastico does a terrible, well, it's not a terrible promo, but what it is is it's like the the most cookie-cutter heel promo ever. Like, he says all of the, the heel cliche things. Um... I'm just sorry. Oh, okay. He was in ECW. He was in um he, he was Julio De Niro and teamed with Easy Money in ECW in 2000. He probably had that great epic feud with fucking Danny Doring and Roadkill. Probably. <laughs> but yeah, he was in ECW in 2000. Um but anyway, so Julio De Niro cuts, like I said, the cookie-cutter heel promo. Like, he says every heel cliche thing all mixed into one promo. This town stinks. You guys suck. <laughs> I'm the best in the world. Two Cold Scorpio sucks. Uh, you know, puts down the, the interviewer, and um, it's it's garbage. And then him and, him and Two Cold Scorpio have an okay match. Which, Too Cold Scorpio, I don't know if you noticed, but he came out with the big gold belt. Yeah, I did. <laughs> For no reason. <laughs> uh, he just he bought one on uh, titles.com or whatever, and he's going to wear it tonight. Either that or, like, some other guy fucking had it and couldn't afford to pay for the weed that he bought off two cold scorpions. <laughs> they gave me the big gold belt. He's like, all right, there you go, buddy. And two cold Scorpio, like, was a rose in a weed field. <laughs> on this, you know what I mean? Yes. Like, why is two, like, oh man, two cold Scorpio. Yeah, but two cold did a lot of shit like that. Like, two cold. Too cold. Too cold is one of those guys that like, hey, you gonna book me? You gonna pay me? I'll do your show. You know, he did a lot of that in the in the nineties yeah. and two thousands. Like, when he wasn't working for Vince, eh, fuck it, I'll do this stupid show. I'll do this stupid show. He did a lot of that shit. Yeah, but Captain Lou Albano, he was on commentary. <laughs> All right, and I think I paid more attention to this show than you did. But he has. One of the best lines I've ever heard. He, he says one of the funniest things I've ever heard anybody say. Hands down, one of the funniest things I've ever heard anybody say. <laughs> okay. That commentator guy that's out there with the dirty man. Yes. <laughs> he says, because the commentator says something, I don't even remember what it was, but it was something fucking ignorant. And Lou Opano said, Hey, Dutch, this commentator has the brain of a dehydrated baby. (laughs) A dehydrated baby. I don't even know what that means, but it made me laugh so much. 
Albano doesn't even know what that means. He just say, hey, hey, Dutch, this guy. He has the brain of a dehydrated baby. <laughs> oh, Lord have mercy. <sighs> All right. Oh, oh, Kyle just came back with something. You can edit this out. Dehydrated baby. That's funny. Yes. And too cold hits a move, okay? Mm-hmm. And hits it. Like, he actually hits it. But they don't finish the match. And then he goes back up for something else. And the commentator calls it the tumbleweed. <laughs> but when he goes to hit said tumbleweed to finish the match, if you watch it, he completely misses Julio Fantastico, or whatever the fuck this guy's name is this week. Misses him by a mile, and dude sells it, and he covers him, pens him. It's fucking garbage. That guy, that guy just making, was just making shit up, by the way, during that pay-per-view, that announcer. Like, when Marty Jannetty did an arm drag, he called it a reverse slam takedown. <laughs> He called, no lie, he called Tommy Rogers two times the Fantastic Rogers. (laughs) Look at that move from the Fantastic Rogers. What did you think about that move, dirty guy? (laughs) The dirty guy, Dutch Mantel. I will never forget that for the rest of my life now. I, I think I blocked it out of my memory from the first time. So now we, we find out after the Scorpio Fantastico match that our new commissioner is going to be Captain Lou Albano. In a very awkward segment with the three the three guys sitting at the table. It's because he brought the six-pack. Albano gets some kind of a proclamation. He's going to be the new commissioner of Heroes of Wrestling. Do you know? Do you, do you know how they decide the commissioner of heroes of Re- heroes of wrestling? <laughs> I do not. If the current commissioner dies, <laughs> whoever finds his body is the new commissioner. Is the new commissioner? Well, this commissioner is fat and has flip flops, and he is Captain Lou Albano. And before that. The last fat commissioner in flip-flops was Bob Geigel. <laughs> who, had a, who had a head that looked like a boulder. He looked like a fucking... Waterhead baby. <laughs> that might be the wrong term. I. I... <laughs> so the next... The mess... Whenever I saw Bob Geigel, like, he... Like, there's guys that, like, look... Dumb? dumb but they're smart and then there's people that look smart but they're dumb <laughs> Bob Geigel looked exactly like what he was <laughs> like whenever, whenever I heard Bob Geigel or saw Bob Geigel and then he would speak I'm like you're a fucking moron like how was this guy the president of anything because he was uh, Sam Mushnick's lackey boy so that's how he got his his position in the NWA. He was like, you know, he wiped Sam Mushnick's pudding off his lip or whatever when he was old. And uh, well, he's a fucking moron. <laughs> so the next match on this abortion of a pay per view after a King Kong Bundy promo, we have the Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov against the former Bushwhackers, Luke and Butch. Which they also claimed that this was a match between two former WWF tag team champions. (laughs) And then this fucking stupid commentator says, Look at this coming out to the ring, Luke and Dutch. (laughs) I caught that. I actually have that here on my notes. Luke and Dutch. And the dirty guy. It's goes, not the dirty guy. Huh? I said it's not the dirty guy Dutch. It's the former no. bushwhacker Dutch. The dirty guy corrects him. 
And he goes, excuse me? What did you just say? And then he goes, oh, I mean, butch. <laughs> He's like, yeah, you fucking moron. Like, Dutch Mantel is probably just melting in his chair, like, what the fuck? <laughs> Dutch Mantel on this night felt like Gorilla Monsoon and Macho Man Randy Savage did at the King of the Ring 94. Unfortunately, Dutch couldn't just ignore this guy. Yeah. So, I have on here that uh, the uh, Nikolai Volkov, of course, has some manager that's supposed to be Russian, and it did or did not that guy sound like he was out of the cast of The Sopranos? Yeah, like he sounded he like a paisan instead of a Russian. Like he's like a Nikolai Volkov. Yeah. <laughs> he's a the Russian. He's a gonna sing of the national anthem. <laughs> That's not Russian. <laughs> and like Iron Sheik's out there with some like stanchions or whatever from a movie. Yeah, and that's what he's gonna do his uh, thing with. Club thing with. <laughs> Is that the right word? Stanchions. Yes. So he's got stanchions from a movie theater and fucking um, Antonio Volkov. I was about to say Nikolai Soprano is his. Yeah, Antonio Volkov <laughs> is like, hey, Iron Sheik's going to do his uh, fucking, uh... <laughs> fucking Iranian fucking stanchions. And, and Nikolai's like, no, fucker, I got to do my national anthem first and then he's like oh yeah he's gonna go with uh <laughs> russian theme first like this guy glass nose you know it's fucking glass nosed like, he can't even get the shit right so then fucking uh volkov sings his song and then fucking sheiks brings his stanchions around it's a fucking goddamn train wreck <laughs> luke and dutch come out <laughs> Uh, <clears throat> and they have possibly one of the worst wrestling matches I've ever seen. <laughs> it's pretty fucking bad. <laughs> and it goes forever. <laughs> it seemingly does. Hold on, let me get back to Wikipedia here. It was 8 minutes and 42 seconds, but it felt like 3 hours. Take the... Take take the worst like indie legends wrestling match you've ever seen where two legends are on an indie show. Just doing a shitty match, and this is worse. Of course, like you said, they all got paid in blow, so they're probably all high. Yeah. Just getting a check from a money mark. The former Bushwhackers go over here. Um, I can honestly say I zoned out and didn't even... I don't even remember how the match finished. I just was reading something else and, and heard the uh, the music start, so I know the Bushwhackers won. This fucking sucked. <clears throat> I don't want to talk about it. The next match on the show is Tully Blanchard against Stan Lane. And uh, one takeaway I got from the beginning of this, Tully Blanchard does a decent a decent interview. When he shows up in limo? Yes. He looks like your regional manager just showed up for... <laughs> And a question I have after watching the beginning of this match with Stan Lane coming to the ring and then doing his promo at the beginning of the match, is there something I should know about Stan Lane and Billy Gunn's mother? <laughs> is Stan Lane Billy Gunn's daddy? <laughs> this is like actually the only quasi good thing on the show. Because Tully cuts a good promo. And then Stan goes out there and just basically shuts the shit down. Yeah, he heals on everybody. And says, like, this is a, without saying it, he says, this is the most unprofessional fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and just cuts a promo on everybody and goes, look, I got a legitimate job. I'm on ESPN. And then he's like, Tully Blanchard comes out and he's like, I'm on ESPN and this guy's preaching the losers in a tent. <laughs> Like, and like Stan Lane is honestly and Tully Blanchard too they're like honestly the only good tank on this show yeah 
And they have an okay match. Yeah, yeah, it's a good match. And Tully goes over. Then we get Jim Neidhart and King Kong Bundy rambling in a promo. That's what I put. Neidhart Bundy ramble. Yeah. And the next match is god-awful. I barely watched it. Yeah, me too. It's Abdullah the Butcher and the one-man gang. And Abdullah the Butcher is led to the ring by that fat fuck John Cheatham who... You know, if, if, if Tully Blanchard is your district manager, then John Cheatham is your deli manager. Uh, he'd be my bike assembly. <laughs> Put that guy in a corner in the back. Him and Abby waddle to the ring together. Um, and, you know, all you have to do to be Abdullah the Butcher's manager on TV is drive him around. It's like all of his all of his managers, other than other than like in the majors, like when he was with Gary Hart or whatever. But all of his indie managers are always just like the fat guy that drives them around or whatever. When they came out, their theme song should have been like "Diabetes, Diabetes, <laughs> Diabetes, Hepatitis, Hepatitis, Diabetes, and Hepatitis, Diabetes, and Hepatitis." Yeah, it's fucking garbage. But anyway... Uh, they went to a draw. Yeah, they went to a draw. Uh, One-man gang gets uh, color. And, um... Mm, Abby. What's that? Abby did too, didn't Yeah, he? but Abby always gets color. Um, they do a silly thing at the end where they're, like, beating up security, trying to get to each other, and and uh, Rosenblum and uh, the dirty guy Dutch are trying to put it over, but it's garbage. And then there's a stupid thing. Uh, it's just a stupid thing, like where they have Bob Orton and Jimmy Snuka playing cards. Like they're on ESPN at like two thirty in the morning. Yeah, and Albano, Albano actually made me laugh in this. Like he's just like he. <laughs> I should try to find it and play it on the show, but when he goes off on Orton, it's actually kind of funny. The like, almost cheating this bastard and blah blah blah. But anyway, it's a stupid segment. Um, well, they took like three talented people and put them together and and made them do something stupid. And they made it. I guess they made it work. But um, it's bad anyway. But Orton cheats Albano in cards, and then Snuka. So we're gonna have Jimmy Snuka and Bob Orton Jr. And Bob Orton is wearing his cowboy poncho and Jimmy shorts. <laughs> Because, again, everybody that night was working for a money mark. So, yep, he's just going to show up and do his thing. The match isn't fucking terrible, but it's not great. It's like a it's like a 70s MSG match. It's like a 70s MSG main event. That's the best way I can describe it. Um, and Snooka goes over. The funniest thing about it, is after the match when Snook is celebrating the ring. It is funny how Bob Orton just stands there at the entrance and look. Did you notice that? And like just looks at him. And, and, and that was just Orton's psychology. You know, Randy does the same kind of things. But uh, yeah, Bob Orton gets up to the top of the, the ramp and just stands there at the entrance thing, just looking at Snook like he's a son of a bitch for a couple of minutes. But so that one's in the books. And now, the real main event starts. This human piece of shit. So Jake Roberts is going to do a promo with Michael St. John, James. I forget what it, Michael St. what? Michael St. Michael St. Francis, whatever his name is. I put here, Jake was probably so drunk. Jake, I put here, Jake is probably so drunk. His breast bleaches the announcer's hair. <laughs> and Jake wasn't drunk. Well, I'm sure there, I'm, I'm sure there was alcohol involved. Well, there was, but he wasn't drunk. Jake was high as a motherfucker. <laughs> and 
It's embarrassing. It is embarrassing. And it is one of the worst things I've ever seen in my life. You know what? Play cards with me is all cheat. I play twenty-one. I got twenty-two. That means you lost, Jake. <laughs> you fucking idiot. But the best one, you want to play blackjack? I've got two of those, too. What does that even mean? I don't know. This guy snorted everybody's payday. <laughs> Jake Roberts in this promo is acting like every belligerent guy you've ever dealt with outside of a bar at 2 o'clock in the morning. Or in the bar at 2 o'clock in the morning. That's the best way I can describe it. He's... He's like the belligerent guy at the bar. You don't want to play cards with me because it's all cheat. <laughs> then he had some chick at ringside like honk his titty. <laughs> yeah, that was fucking disgusting. I was trying to figure out which one had bigger titties. Him or the fat girl that was <laughs> feeling him up. Well, and then... Nightheart comes out, and Jake comes out, puts a snake on the ring, and then leaves again. And you can just visibly see that Nightheart's... And this is Jim Nightheart, a guy who does not does not necessarily shy away from getting fucked up. Jim Nightheart. <laughs> Jim the Evil Nightheart is the sensible one in the situation. Yes. He even looks disheveled, but at least he's with it, you know? And yeah. Nick, he's like, what the fuck? And it's like, I only did three toots. How many did this guy do? <laughs> um, and once Jake does get in the ring, it's, it's almost unwatchable, the match that the guys have. It's not Neidhart's fault. And then eventually, Jake just lays down in the ring with his snake. As a matter of fact, he makes his snake look like it's a dick. And he masturbates it. And he it. masturbates it. <laughs> and then he... he like, I, if I'm lying, I'm dying, folks. I put the goddamn thing on YouTube for you to watch it. So you, you, we're not making this up. Um, and then he's like licking his snake and... Nightheart's like, I have to get away from you, Jake. <laughs> You're like going to die. So then they send Bundy out. Somebody in back. Somebody involved in this thing was like, this has to be saved somehow. So they send Bundy out. Bundy's jaw jacking Jake Roberts. They're probably Stan Lane. <laughs> and then... Uh, Bundy and Nightheart proceed to beat up Jake Roberts, who practically no-sells it because he has no idea what's going on. So then they send out the former Yokozuna, who looks... its I mean, it's sad, his condition, too. Physically. And um, they have an impromptu... They, make, they just make this shit into a tag match. We were supposed to have Roberts and Nightheart, and then Bundy and Yokozuna, and instead it's now a tag match. And uh, I mean, th there's like a little Bundy guy. Yeah, <laughs> <Like> Fester. <laughs> uh, I don't even know what to say. Other than this was pretty fucking bad. They keep saying, like, Little Bundy, I think, was supposed to be a thing. But since Jake masturbated his snake. <laughs> yeah, they keep they keep saying that. Little Bundy. Yeah. Like, I think Little Bundy was supposed to. But he was, like, a grown man. Like, he wasn't a midget. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it was. But then Bundy and Nightheart win. And it's just, uh. <laughs> and they have to like, they have to like fade to black because Jake gets up and he's about to 
to like take off his pants. Yeah, it just goes off. Yeah. <sighs> My final review of this was I hated myself for nearly four hours after watching this. <laughs> fuck everyone that made it, and fuck anyone that ordered it. Also, fuck everyone who bought a ticket. And they can also go. They can also suck my ass and toss themselves off a fucking bridge. <laughs> anyone involved in this, anyone that purchased it, and anyone that supported it. Could just fuck off. It is the worst pay per view of all time. It is Heroes of Wrestling. So let me see here. This. I'm, I'm trying to. Okay, so. Okay, Stone then sent a member of the production crew, Michael Henry, to ringside. To consult with the wrestlers. Bundy pinned Roberts by hitting him with a splash after Roberts had staggered and fallen around the ring several times. Despite Roberts not being the legal man in the ring, Yokozuna and Henry attempted to salvage the event and Roberts' reputation by trying to goad Roberts into attacking Henry, making his behavior seem scripted. Roberts was too inebriated to realize what was happening and remained oblivious to Yokozuna and Henry's attacks. Yokozuna then hit a Samoan drop on Henry to make the entire series of events feel scripted. While Yokozuna attacked Henry, Roberts began to disrobe in the middle of the ring, and the producers cut the feed immediately thereafter. <laughs> I just wanted to read the... Uh, the so Henry was Little Bundy? Yes, I guess so. So that was impromptu as well. Let's just call this guy Little Bundy and send him the fuck out there. <laughs> Everybody panicked. And that's how it went down. The Heroes of Wrestling pay-per-view. Take a bath after you watch this fucking thing. Everybody, everybody that was in that building needs to. What did Chris Rock say after Marilyn Manson performed at the at VMAs? Everybody in this building needs to go to church right now. Right now. <laughs> it's fucking terrible, man. Oh, it gets a half a yep from me. And that is only for the Stan Lane-Tully Blanchard match, and I did not mind the opening tag team match. It's nothing for me. <laughs> this thing was a colossal fuck-all. A yeah. dumpster fire. Hot garbage. And I will... Now that I've watched it one more time, for the sake of the show, I can safely say I will never watch this thing again. I will not either. And <laughs> the rest of my life, never again. I'm going to get on YouTube and mark it as inappropriate. <laughs> Reported as hate speech. <laughs> yeah, and hopefully it gets taken down. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> Good lord. So unless, unless we have something else for this week's show, I think that's the end of it. We have covered the Heroes of Wrestling pay-per-view. <sighs> and I think we did it with grace. <laughs> this fucking makes me mad. And since we talked so much about Jake Roberts and what an inebriated piece of shit he was during this pay-per-view, I guess to... Uh, to end the show, we should uh, mention Jerry Gray, who has been fucked over by Jake Roberts. Jerry Gray, a great professional wrestler, a guy that wrestled in the Mid-Atlantic area, Crockett Promotions, world class, all over all over the United States and the world back in the 80s. Uh, being an one of those enhancement talents like a Barry Horowitz or an Iron Mike Sharp that helped to really make the guy they were putting over look even better. Uh, Jerry Gray is ba battling stage four cancer, and um, you actually can give to Jerry by going to his GoFundMe, which uh, I will post on our Facebook page and our Facebook group periodically. 
and giving whatever you can to Jerry Gray to help him out with his medical bills, food, etc. As he battles this, he has depleted most of his savings battling cancer. So we do appreciate it. So does Jerry. Any support you can give him. A friend of the show, Jerry Gray. And um, just want to get that out there to end the show off, Aaron. All right. Do you have anything else for our listeners this week? Just do not watch this Facebook group. <laughs> this uh, thing is like... And fuck me for putting it on the Facebook group, right? Yeah, that this video is like The Ring. Or what? No. That fucking video, that, yeah, the yeah, ring. It's the ring. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna, you're gonna wind up looking like a fucking. Like you have bell policy. Yeah, like you got like bell policy and you're stuck <laughs> in your fucking recliner. <laughs> well, we want to thank you for joining us this week on the We Can't Wrestle podcast. And we hope you will join us next week. As, uh, well, I'll let you know later in the week what our topic's going to be next week. I have not decided that yet. But thank you for joining us on the We Can't Wrestle podcast. One of my favorite scary movie. Did you, <laughs> Jerry, start the theme song? No, I have not. It's one of my favorite scary movie moments. Like, I like the scary movies. I like all of them. Mm-hmm. Even the Wayne's Brother ones are funny. But when she's talking about the video... And George Carlin's the the creator or whatever, and he's in that room. <laughs> and he's talking about Pooty Tang. You ever seen that? Yes. It's like, this video is just, just causing horrible things for everybody. And he's like, yes, yes, just much, much like Pooty Tang. <laughs> I'm messing it up. But that's, I don't know. That's the, gi- that's the gist of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this fucking pay per view is garbage, and nobody watch it. This pay per view is much like Pootie Tang. <laughs> don't bring it into your home. <laughs> if you're on the YouTube's, stay away from it. I had to. I had to take six showers after watching this. <laughs> My wrestling fan license was revoked. I had to re- reapply to be a wrestling fan. All right. That being said, once again, we will sign off here. We will join you next week with more of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Until then, listeners, enjoy and um, enjoy your 4th of July. The next episode won't be out till probably after 4th of July anyway, so happy Independence Day. Enjoy your 4th of July, and uh, thank you for joining us this week on the We Can't Wrestle podcast.